Welcome to the GovX podcast, which is focused on the importance of data in a 21st century world. We discuss data-centric topics, such as fundamentals of data use, strategies for building buy-in within your organization, the role your community plays in this work, and much, much more. Today, we'll be discussing the city of Asheville's work on embedding equity into its data work pre-COVID and how the work has pivoted after recent events, including the city of Asheville reparations declaration. We'll take a look at GovX's technical assistance with the city and how it can support efforts like this. And we'll also explore what it takes to set a city like yours on a very similar path. My name is Dr. Jane A. Bodbish, and I work with GovX as a senior advisor. And I am joined by Tiffany Davis, also a senior advisor with GovX. We're very excited to be joined by Kimberly Archie, the equity and inclusion director for the city of Asheville, and Jonathan Feldman, the city's IT director. Kimberly and Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. All right, so let's get started. Can you please describe your role in the city of Asheville, just at a high level? And I'll start with Jonathan first. Thank you so much, Tiffany. So my role at the city of Asheville is uh, basically herding cats. And that that means herding everything from uh, data and operations to uh, infrastructure, applications, the whole portfolio of, of city services. We try to do that with an eye towards public service. So we're a little unusual in that way in that we are very focused on IT being very mission-centric. And in the case of Asheville, North Carolina, that means we put an equity lens on everything that we do. Perfect, thank you. Kimberly? Um, my role here uh, in Asheville as the Director of the Office of Equity and Inclusion is really to um, ensure that the organization um, goes through the necessary change to embed and advance equity in all its operations and everything it does in policy practice procedure. And in addition to that, I feel it's my role to influence our other anchor institutions uh, external to the, um, the city government, because even if city government got it all right and did everything perfectly, um, we still would not see a change in conditions across the board for our communities that live within the, the disparities and the inequities that we see. So it's both an internal and an external change management role that I have. And Kimberly, what sort of work have you done in the past prior to your work with the city of Asheville in the, uh, the, in the space of establishing equity? Sure. Um, I have been trained by the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond out of New Orleans, Louisiana. That's where my like equity work really started. And then um, I was also working for an initiative of the Annie E. Casey Foundation in White Center. It was called Making Connections. And that work was very multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multicultural, as well as the deputy director of the Department of Neighborhoods for the city of Seattle, which is the, one of the first uh, jurisdictions to actually take on race um, and equity as part of the work. I used all that experience and training education that I've gotten over time and applied it here in Asheville. 
And, and for Jonathan, uh, how has your work as a director of IT in the role of establishing uh, equity, I guess we could say with the data lens with the city of Asheville, how has that work been coming along? You know, it's, it's slower than we want it to be, right? Because even the subset of data and equity is massive change. And Kimberly talked about external and internal change. And I think that that is true of everything we do with data. Because we've got to know from the outside and from our elected board, what are they trying to accomplish? We have to start with that external component. It's not very systems-based. It's not database-based. The systems part of data is really easy relative to the change management, the process change, and so on that, that goes with this especially this work. Y'all have both talked about the importance, and you've mentioned data equity and the importance that it has in y'all's work. Can you expand a bit more about why and how data equity is important for Asheville? How is it that we are literally disaggregating the data to be able to get down deep into the statistically significant differences, and then intentionally doing something about that statistical significance? So from the city's standpoint right now, and Kimberly can certainly speak to this uh, probably better than I can, but it's about workforce equity. It's about procurement equity. Are we actually collecting data points that tell us how well are we doing? And is anyone better off? In most instances, it is the departments in their daily work that are collecting data that we would like to tell us, you know, is the workforce equity that we're seeking happening? Is the procurement equity in our community actually happening? Are things getting better? Data is is our tool to be able to get to equity, one of our tools in our toolkit. And it's a crucial tool in the toolkit because if you're a city that doesn't collect and disaggregate data by race, gender, and geography or location, you can't come up with the strategies, you can't come up with the root cause, you can't do the other analysis for equity if you don't have the data and if you don't have it disaggregated. And so there were a lot of areas where Um, When I got here in 2017, there are a lot of areas that we were not collecting and disaggregating data. And through the process of creating our equity action plan, we identified some of where those gaps were. That's kind of the point where, as the equity and inclusion manager, um, Jonathan and I and his, his team and I really connected and figured out what needed to happen as far as where we could improve where our data gaps were and how we could move forward. So it's important for cities, municipalities to think about their data and to get on board with this idea of we can't get to equity unless we care about data and unless we care about disaggregated data. So the earlier an organization is able to collect and disaggregate their data, the better off they will be in actually changing conditions in communities. 
So it goes without saying that COVID-19, the current pandemic that we're in, and also um, the killing of George Floyd, and most recently this past week, Jacob Blake, um, have eliminated equity disparities across all facets of city life. And we know this is something that has been on um, in our thoughts and our minds this, you know, for all my life <laughs> and since the beginning of time. Um, but for cities, how has these events impacted your current equity work, and especially when it comes to data collection and the pandemic? Highlight some challenges or implications when it comes to this type of work. The murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Aubrey, and well, as you said, most recently, Jacob, have really created a window for some folks that didn't see what inequities were happening and didn't understand how racism looks through systems and institutions. I have witnessed some folks in our city that have a different perspective now than they did pre. So it allows us, um, although these are tragic losses, it allows us to be able to say that there are two pandemics. We've had this ongoing pandemic of 400 years of racism and now we have this this particular pandemic that is a national or global health as well as economic issue. And so I, I think the question around what does it mean is important to take the opportunity for those that are finally seeing through the window or that have opened the window to push past their fears, push past the ignorance that they've ex they've been living kind of in this time and really moving, taking the opportunity to move the needle more. So we were working on a number of things that especially had to do with data and equity beforehand, but now we just, we feel a little bit more of a, um, a push. And I think that there is more support now where there may not have been support before. So I don't think that we're doing anything different. I think that we're just working a little at a little faster pace because we don't want this um, open window to be a lost opportunity for advancing equity and making sure that we can resource collecting and compiling the data that we need to collect and compile. I think that's well said, Kimberly. I, you know, data is not just numbers and, and characters in rows and columns. One of the things that we've realized is that a data program will go nowhere without a community of practice. And one of the things that Eric Jackson, our data analytics program manager, has done is to start to build that community. And community building is a lot harder <laughs> than any IT person would think. But the tragic events that, that Kimberly refers to in conjunction with the data, you know, the videos, the, the irrefutable facts, I think have created a sense of urgency in our coworkers to where folks are jumping in and saying, you know, Kimberly called it a, another pandemic, but it's it's an emergency. It's a it, it is a national emergency, and I think if you were a person of color, it was a national emergency, you know, for hundreds of years. But I think more folks who are not who are sort of living in you know revisionist history land 
are, are coming out of that, given the data, given the irrefutable facts, and saying, yes, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this community of practice. And so we're talking with HR, for example, about building a community of practice simply about around recruiting. You know, what can we do? What are the outcomes? And as all of you know, when folks come to their own ideas about what should the outcomes be, that is generally a whole lot more effective than any third party just jamming it down their throats. So I think this sense of urgency, this sense of community, if anything, is going to be what starts to make our city as a whole start to use data more and more and more to start to make real change. And let me add on to something because Jonathan sparked something for me by talking about data as more than just numbers. And I want to also honor um, people who are like myself, who are Black people, Indigenous, and people of color who've been going through this for generations and for centuries. I'm a little uh, torn because I'm glad that there are people that are finally seeing through the window, right? But I'm also pretty pissed off that it took this amount of time as well as this very visible, horrific injustice of the murder of George Floyd to be the thing that gets people to actually look through the window because all of this stuff has been going on before. The invisibility of, of the situation is what really kind of pisses me off. I'm committed to the work though, so I, I wanna take advantage of the opportunities that we have when we have them and also push to create more opportunities. But I just wanted to make sure that I said this piece about the invisibility factor and that again, all of this was happening before. We can't revise history to, to satisfy other people because um, the truth is the truth, the facts are the facts. And I'm gonna stop there before I get on my soapbox. The soapbox is what we need. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, as city leaders, you know, you have to hear your residents. <laughs> and it's basically that invisibility factor that Kimberly was saying. You also, you know, it's like for me, I'm a Black woman, is we haven't been heard. So city leaders, I, I think this pandemic and everything that's going on is just transforming, hopefully for the better, for the positive, for the way of doing business is, it has to be changed. And a wise person told me that, you know, equity, equity is like the cheese in lasagna. <laughs> and, and I know that, that wise person. <laughs> exactly. And that it needs to be baked into the work that we do intentionally. And it's what holds everything together. But then I, with my cynical mind, come in and say, but if it was not baked in, we also need to think about the intentionality of that, of not baking it, it in. And then what are the repercussions of that? And a lot of the times the repercussions of equity, the outcome of equity is justice. And also having some of those discussions as well, at times using a data lens is very important. 
And we also need to be frank about that component of it. I do want to pivot, if it's okay, to ask y'all, at just at a very, very high level, it's, we cannot, we, we can't leave this space without talking about a recent groundbreaking event, which was the Asheville Reparations Declaration that came from City Council. At a high level, can you tell us what this declaration involves? And can you also discuss some of the challenges of getting buy-in and also any challenges that y'all see in implementation? The actual reparations resolution came from city council, from a city council member who worked with community to draft it. And then he worked to get the buy-in of his, uh, his six colleagues on city council. I reviewed the resolution before it was finalized, but I want to just be clear that it did not come from the Office of Equity and Inclusion. I do want to believe, and not because I want to take credit, but I do want to believe that much of the work that I've been doing and that we've been doing over the past three years have um, helped position city council to be able to that resolution written and passed. We've been working on truth, healing, and transformation work over the past, specifically the past two years. We did some mini grant work with organizations and groups in Asheville that are currently doing racial healing work. So I think that a lot of what we've been working on helped to uh, propel that resolution. You know, it's a discussion that has been happening at the national level. And I don't know that we'll ever get to a place where the federal government will actually do something about reparations because in in my mind, that's who's ultimately responsible. I think it's going to be difficult at the local level to really focus in on what reparations should look like. I think that there are numerous ideas of what reparations are. I, I am happy that the resolution apologizes for the wrongs done by city government. I think it would be more impactful if city government was doing a lot more to not create contemporary harms. And I'm grateful that there will hopefully be a group of people that will work, um, work on this from the community to really understand what the community wants to see happen for reparations. And then that city government will then fulfill that resolution with something meaningful. So what's next for the city of Asheville? You know, you all have been doing this work. Um, are there any future efforts or initiatives that the city is looking to work on as it relates to data, equity initiatives, anything along those lines? We've been working together on a data dashboard on the city's website and our webpage for the Office of Equity and Inclusion to really uh, do a better job of capturing our story and telling our story of the work that we're doing and what kind of impact it's having. We know that we won't see major community outcome change for years, maybe decades to come because that kind of change is slow. 
but that's to come very, very soon. I believe in the next month or so, we should be able to go live with our data dashboard that will tell much more of our story and allow people to really understand the kind of work that we're doing. What Kimberly said before about racial healing and truth holds a lot of weight for me because it means that we have to admit that this happened. And I think in a lot of cities, I think staff is very conflicted. And I'll tell you why. Staff, when they feel like something is quote unquote political, they stay away from it like hot coals. But when they find that something is policy, then they are duty bound to enact that policy in programs, in processes, and in their departmental policies. And so this policy versus politics notion, I think is very, very important. And when you look at city council's actions, I had one of my staff members call it enabling legislation. And whether or not it's that precisely, it's certainly a declaration that says that we have taken this out of the realm of the undecided political, right? And so we've now moved it into the realm of policy. And so that enables us to really sharpen the way that we look at the work and to say more than ever, we're doing the things that Kimberly described, everything from a data dashboard to more engagement with departments around data to seek outcomes like economic mobility for our community. Sorry, I just have now, I just want to close with just one question and just so that it is a short response for both of you. At this moment, what gives y'all hope? What gives them hope about, what gives you hope about the work that is being done and what is coming next? What gives me hope is the community. The community has made it very clear that they want racial equity in this city, in this region. And I determined that based on the amount of and level of protesting and demonstrating that has happened over the months and the support that I hear in community for the work that we're doing, as well as from the calls, emails, et cetera, that I know city council gets in mass. So it gives me hope that community voice is powerful and it's, it seems as though it's being heard. Well, Kimberly, uh, you, you, you stole my answer, so I'll have to use a different one. <laughs> But the community also gives me a lot of hope. I've seen a lot of positive changes. I've been with the city for 15 plus years, and I've seen a lot of positive changes happen because the council and the manager have listened to the community. But the, the extension of that is that I've seen the management team change for the better as a result of the voice of the community. So that also gives me a lot of hope. Well, Kimberly and Jonathan, it's been fantastic discussing this important work with you. Where can folks go to find out more information? So they can go to Asheville NC for North Carolina.gov. 
that's the main place they can find more information. They're under departments. There's the Office of Equity and Inclusion. That page is there. The other place to get information is at KimberlyArchie.com. I'm a racial equity consultant, and that's Kimberly with two E's, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-E-R-C-H-I-E.com. Thank you for listening to the GovEdS podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, come visit us at civicimpact.jhu.edu. Until next time, see you later.